This is a Brain Bites episode. Each week, we share two things we learned the past week and how you can implement them in your life. So, let's get into it. All right, and welcome back to another episode of Brain Bites, episode four this week. Kieran, how are you, my friend? I'm good. I'm good, Sam. We're coming We're coming out of lockdown soon, which would be nice. So You and I both. Uh, dining, that'd be fantastic. So, oh, we're going through the same thing right now, aren't we? We are, yeah, yeah. We're both locked down. We're trying our best, though. How are you, mate? Look, I'm uh, I'm going pretty well. Uh, we just got out of lockdown, actually, today, technically, Ooh. but tomorrow. Uh, so, very excited to get out and enjoy my freedoms. What can you do? Exercise my rights. Uh, not that much, uh, surprisingly. We can visit, <laughs> we're visit venues. No, you're not. <laughs> you're free, but with all these stipulations. So, we can visit venues. We still have to wear face masks outside. There's a maximum of five visitors uh, in a home. and There's quite a lot of stipulations, but- Speaking of of technicalities, should we talk about some brain bites? We did because that that means, mate, the learning still has not stopped. And I know what you're like. No. You've probably been sitting in your room. Uh, it's been dark, and you've literally just been you know downloading a bunch of brain neuroscience stuff. So that brings me to the ultimate question: What did you learn this week? It is a great question because this week I learned about this idea of infinite motivation from one of our favourite speakers, Doctor. Andrew Huberman himself, Ooh, great podcast. The hubs. So he referenced this study, study in a podcast with Rick Roll. He was a guest and the study was a famous Stan- Stanford study where they studied a whole bunch of kids in this Bing nursery and they encouraged students to play during recess and certain students began drawing. And the ones who really, really enjoyed drawing, they said, okay, well, why don't we give these students a gold star for when they do a drawing? So they started rewarding these students with a gold star for their drawings. But then eventually they stopped rewarding these kids with gold stars. And as a result, the kids stopped drawing, even though they were passionate about it, even though they loved it. And it was a really great analog for this idea that extrinsic rewards create motivation issues downstream when it comes to dopamine, because as soon as that reward is taken away, you're taking away that motivation molecule release of dopamine. So intrinsic motivation, which is the the flip side of using internal rewards, can actually provide more of an infinite uh, energy and motivation loop using dopamine release. I'm reminded, I don't know if you were there back when we were at school together, but do you remember the blue tick? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Do you remember how we just like, whenever we did something good, you'd be like, yes, you get a blue tick. And if you got four, you got like this like smiley face thing and you just used to get so pumped about it. (laughs) Yeah, we used to put them in our diaries. Got so excited about those diary ticks. And then, like, you just give up as per what you're saying because if you took that away, which I eventually did, we were like, oh, what's the point of this blue tick? What's the point of this smiley face? So, I'm, I'm thinking, yeah. obviously, we have a very personal example, which is our childhood. But <laughs> for you, what, uh, like, how does it work and what are some examples? It's, it's really simple, right? Once you've got a reward that's external um, and you're attaching your behavior to this external reward, then the dopamine you – will release in your brain, which is the motivation molecule, is going to be attached to that reward. And as soon as it's taken away, you're taking away that dopamine. And that dopamine is actually what will fuel further motivation towards your task. So it becomes contingent on these external rewards. And the problem is you have this decreasing reward sensitivity. So over time, you'll become decreasingly sensitive to that external reward, reducing that motivation. Whereas if you use self-reward, intrinsic reward, it's what you're doing is kind of modulating your neurotransmitters in a way by using micro goals and slices of activities 
uh, and achievements with, as Andrew Hadman called, direct path outcome to drive forwards. And so an example of this would be rather than rewarding yourself uh, for a task with a chocolate or a coffee or something external, just having a list of micro goals within your task uh, and every time you achieve one of those, giving yourself a form of reinforcement for that task creates this internal momentum, right? Mm, and it's a momentum, as we said, that sort of, you know, leads to that snowball effect and the motivation um, that comes exactly. from it. And motivation being an outcome. A lot of the time we always think that we're just waiting for this magical thing to happen. You're like, come on, hurry up. But you're saying if you can use these micro goals, these slices, so to speak, and be mindful of the difference between extrinsic and intrinsic, then we can find this infinite motivation. Is that correct? Yeah, that's that's pretty much the whole gist of it. And to break it down and make it really simple, effectively, if you're trying to do something, if you're trying to achieve something, break it down into a tiny set of goals along the way uh, and larger goals inside that goal and reward yourself internally each time you hit one of those goals. So say, for example, you're trying to run a marathon, reward yourself as you're you're going for a run every time you do two kilometers or three kilometers and, and not with a chocolate or external reward, but reward yourself internally by saying, yeah, I'm doing really well. I'm I'm kicking off my goals. I'm achieving things because that's going to build this internal motivation uh, dopamine feedback loop, which will provide, as Huberman says, this kind of infinite energy system. I love it. The hubs works miracles. I'm, uh, I'm a fan of this one, Sam. This is a big learning because I think in the workplace, we've just done the Brains at Work series. I'm just thinking about mm. implications there and how you know people respond to incentives, but it also depends on what are the incentives and what are the behaviors that and are, do they actually align? Because there's a lot, a lot of misalignment when it comes to team and individual incentives. Exactly. And where are those incentives coming from? Like so often managers try to use external incentives as extrinsic motivation, but we know that intrinsic motivation is more durable and resilient over the long term. And yet we don't use that as part of a central managing strategy, so to speak. So that's what I learned this week, which kind of brings us over to, what about you? What did you learn this week, Kizza? So also, really enjoyed how you called me Kizza there. I have not heard that one for so long and it's just brought back a lot Last of nostalgia. Last the past, nostalgia. <laughs> hey, Kizza. Hey, Kizza. Um, Nostalgia's so good for the brain. I, um, I learned to play golf. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I was playing golf this, this week over the past couple of weeks, mate. And uh, I'm going to be honest with you, I've hit a bit of a... Stag- I've been stagnant. I, I'm not improving anymore and it's getting a little bit frustrating. And so I was sitting there being like, okay, I want to improve, but how do I go about doing it? And the classic typing into YouTube, typing into Google, being like, how do you mm. get better at golf? And it was this one thing that came across, which is they talked about the idea of amateurs just trying not to lose, right? Removing the things that contribute to losing because you're not a professional. You're not actually going in there, quote unquote, to win. And I was thinking about this being like, okay, instead of saying, what do I need to do to get better? I'm asking myself, what do I need to stop doing to get better? And it was inspired by a German mathematician called Carl Gustav Jacob Jacobi. That is genuinely a name. And he solved problems by this particular phrase. And I'm so sorry for our Hulvik, who was my German teacher at school, but man muss immer umuken, which basically means invert always invert. And so the principle here or mental model that I learned for the week was inverted thinking that, you know, we have a tendency to look at things forward, but sometimes we need to look at things backward. We need to be subtractive, not just additive. So how did you uh, apply that when it comes to golf? So in terms of golf, I was literally sitting there being like, okay, how do I, what do I need to stop doing? I need to stop three putting. So when I'm on the green, I'm always three putting. It's really annoying. I need to reduce that. And so I need to work on the putting. 
I need to also leave my ego at the door. No, Kieran, you can't make that shot. <laughs> Just take the easy option and obviously don't lose all those shots. And so I think that's the key sort of thing that came with mm. golf. But looking at sort of other examples per se, you just want to ask yourself the opposite question of what you're posing. So, for example, instead of what I should do, what shouldn't I do? If you, for example, want to improve innovation Mm. at a company, don't actually think, how do I improve innovation? Ask yourself, hey, what are the things that are discouraging innovation? If I remove those, it becomes more likely that innovation will take place. And the final one where we were getting very off top, like when we prior to this, we were getting very deep, you and I, Sam, but instead of asking what makes a good life, ask what makes a bad life and remove those things. I really like that and it's reminding me of some advice I heard on Tim Ferriss from a couple of different people, Ryan Holiday, Holiday included, and it's that concept of subtracting is easier than adding. It's easier to take away bad habits or things that you are doing wrong than it is to ingrain and instill new habits or new ways of thinking. So I think that's it's a really powerful frame and I didn't, never thought about it through the lens of inversion. Do you have... Any other examples of how someone listening to this could possibly use that in their life? I think the most tangible one when we're talking about from a, a focus perspective as well is the the to not do list. So everyone yeah, creates yeah, a to do nice. list, but as opposed to that, say what's my to not do list, and make sure you avoid those things like the plague. And I think aligned with what you were saying before, this is classic Shane Parrish from Farnham Street. Check out the blog, very very good. But he said avoiding stupidity is easier than seeking brilliance. Yeah. Alongside what you're saying, so I think it's very much really leveraging things in your life and asking yourself what are the mistakes that I'm currently making stop making them and you'll normally be in a more positive direction as a result and yeah mate, that's what I learned this week mm. I lo- love that idea of a not to do list and I think you can make that even more powerful by creating a visual cue so what I'm imagining is if you did that and then wrote your not to do list on a post-it note and put it on your screen at work there is no way you're going to do those behaviors if they're staring at you in the face Hundred percent. This is like when we do our uh, when we do our recordings, right? Like we're yeah. literally putting out like for, for everyone. Everyone probably already knows what our seal seal words are—the words that we repeat all the time. But we've literally made a conscious effort putting them up on the screen, being like, "No, do not say this." And it works. If you've got if you've got written in front of you, don't say um. And you see that card every time you go to read your notes or look at the other person on the screen. You don't say um. Source me two episodes ago. <laughs> so so interesting super so interesting yeah. <laughs> so yeah, basically mate, that's, uh, inversion you've got this principle of aversion where rather than looking to to add in a situation what you can do better you're actually looking for what things you can stop doing and so that process of subtraction is easier than a process of addition in that situation and you can use this really effectively anywhere but even at work by creating not to-do lists Spot on. That is Active Listening 101, Sam. And that brings us to the end of Brain Bites Episode 4. How are you? Here we go. Brain Bites Episode 4. We would love some feedback, actually. So if you've listened to this episode and you had some ideas or you had some questions, you can actually hit us up, kieran at braintools.com.au or sam at braintools.com.au with any specific questions or any feedback. Love to hear what you thought about this. Otherwise, that's pretty much all I've got to share this week. Unless you've got anything else, Dad? No, mate. It's dinner time. It's time to go. (laughs) (laughs) Go get hungry, get some brain bites, and we'll catch you next week. See you later. See ya. (laughs) 